You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today my guest is is a former professional bodybuilder. He's won numerous titles, such as being a five-time Ironman Pro winner, four-time Arnold Classic winner, multiple other wins, including woo, a near win on the uh, Olympia in 1993. Our guest is widely regarded as the greatest bodybuilder to never win the Mr. Olympia contest. He's considered by many to have the greatest physique that's ever been one of the greatest bodybuilders, and what may be the greatest era that changed the sport into what it is today with athletes like Dorian Yates, Ronnie Coleman, and Lee Haney. A name right up there with these giants. Welcome to the podcast, the legend himself, Flex Wheeler. Hey, Flex, how you doing today? Hey, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks. I love having you here, and I hope that me reading that off did not embarrass you. No, I'm just kind of laughing. It's uh, it's always interesting, you know, to to hear things read off that you achieved. You don't really look at it that way until somebody reads it off. Like, oh, yeah, I did do that too. <laughs> I know. I kind of feel that way because when I'm guest on other people's podcast and they read off things, and I'm like, uh, stop, stop it. Yeah. So let's just talk. But but I don't do that for other people. I read off their stuff. So I wanna, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna absolutely. Uh, harken back to the greatness, some of the amazing accomplishments that you've put up there. I mean, you were uh, you were definitely uh, a legend with a lot of other legendary players in the game. And so I wanted to shout that out. But I also want to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourself so that it's not just me reading off that list. It'll be the introduction that you prefer to share. So go ahead and flex. Tell us a little bit about you. A little bit. Well, I mean, um, I, I think most people know, but uh, my real name is Kenneth Wheeler, uh, Kenneth Martin Wheeler. Um, I was born in Fresno, uh, California. I got started in bodybuilding, working out when I was about 13 years old. Um, got involved in martial arts when I was about seven and started uh, competing in both when I was about 14 years old and uh, just loved both of them dearly. Um, I've always loved uh, martial arts way more uh, than I ever could love bodybuilding, but one paid the bill and the other one didn't. So that's how I ended up here. All right. So this is, let me ask the question, is it true or not true? But I heard, I read somewhere that Flex wasn't a name that was given to you because of bodybuilding. It was actually given to you for another reason. Is that true? Yeah. Um, um, like the, there's one story because of, you know, my flexibility uh, was given to me for that reason. But actually, it was, it was, it was actually a derogatory uh, comment. Uh, people making fun of me uh, saying, you know, because I was, I was so tiny. I guess I always walked around, you know, uh, like I'm a little big man and like, oh, here comes Flex again, you know, so Stop. It, was, it was actually a derogatory name. And um, the first time I went on stage when I was 14, uh, uh, the announcer was like, you're Flex, right? And I'm like, no, I don't do that, man. And he walked <laughs> up with Flex Wheeler and the crowd went crazy. And, uh, you know, I just ran with it from there. I, I, that's, I can't, I mean, that's a 
cool name to run with. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like you reclaimed it. Like yeah. it may have been a pejorative at the time, but I feel like you I definitely reclaimed it. it. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but did you, were you flexible? Is that true? Cause that's a story I heard. I heard that, that you were called flex because you had a lot of flexibility, probably from the martial arts, but exactly. that true? Yeah. were you pretty flexible? Yeah. yeah, very, very much so. And even throughout my competitive years as a pro, I always did the splits on stage. So it was like a dual kind of meaning, you know? Dude, I remember that. I remember seeing that, and I, I, and I, I used to be able to do that. I would do the Jean Claude Van Damme between yeah. the chairs and yeah. stuff like that. But I'm a little dude, and seeing somebody your size pull that off, I thought that was make believe. I was like, that cannot be true. I just didn't think it was possible. And you, again, like flipped the script on some things. Yeah, and it was just again, you know, uh, starting in martial arts when I was nine years old, and and fighting all the way up until my um, my mid twenties. You know, I just was able to keep that flexibility. So it was it was so simple. I mean, walking around at two hundred and ninety eight pounds and being able to do the splits or take my leg and kick it straight in the air it was just like you know, it was as easy as walking. You know, not walking back then, not walking now. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely want to get to that. So sure. let's uh let's slowly move that direction to let people uh just kind of dangle the carrot that uh walking now is a little different than it used to be, and there is a significant walk. reason why. Yeah, um, I walk for the beat of a different drum now, definitely. For sure. Let me ask you real quick, just because I was a martial artist too, and I and I still do. I do jujitsu and. I'd like to get back into doing Muay Thai, which I did competitively for a while. So what, which uh, martial arts did you do? What was your so sport? I started off, um, um, I started off from Shoin Ru. Um, and then um, ironically, I went to Shotokan from there. Um, My father did Shotokan. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Art, you know. Yes, sir. <laughs> love the uh, Shotokan. That's hard, right? Hard punches, hard kicks, lock everything out. Um, then I went to uh, Chinese Kung Fu, Hokkido Kung Fu, uh, Taekwondo, um, and then uh, Kempo. And then my last style, um, there was um, uh, a teacher, Jihan. Uh, he was a fifth dan uh, in Taekwondo, and the other was a, a seventh dan in uh, Kempo. And they joined forces and created Kempkondo. So obviously, you know, uh, for quarter, close quarter uh, combat, Kempo is going to be, you know, you're going to go to. Um, and for kicking, uh, not, not, you know, necessarily Olympic style Taekwondo kicking, but, you mm. know, applicable uh, fighting Taekwondo kicking uh, is, is no better kicking than that. Uh, so they just combined both of those and, you know, kind of took away the, the weaknesses of, of some of the arts because, you know, you might have like Kempo, um, great in court, uh, close quarter, but as far as long range, it's not going to be your go-to, you know, um, and same thing with, you know, Taekwondo or something like that, you know, close quarter is not going to be what you want to get down with, you know, so, but, you know, the truth is out of all of them, I do feel the purest fight form um, as far as protecting yourself uh, on a street or your family is 100% uh, going to be, um, oh my gosh, I just got a, a brain for it. I just forgot it right now, but a uh, Thai boxing is what I was going to say. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was. Uh, I, I was able. I competed a little bit in uh, uh, Muay Thai, and I did some yeah. kickboxing as well. It was just a fun spot. I started it with uh, some Chinese kung fu as well. Um, 
Choi Lee Foot was what it was called. And then I went on into uh, kickboxing, which, you know, it was just, it was fun. It, it, it was a great experience for me and it molded a lot of who I was and the direction that I went in my life. Yeah, it's a discipline, a self-discipline. Uh, That's that right. Amazing. Well, I want to ask you, if you don't mind, we have a, we have a connection. So there's an NASM connection here. And uh, I want you to, to share a little bit about a, a friend, possibly even a mentor of yours, and how you guys got connected with us at NASM. Yeah, definitely. You're speaking of Neil Spruce. Yes, sir. Uh, AKA, um, he's one that, like a father figure to me, uh, actually out of respect uh, for the position he holds uh, with me, uh, business and professionally, uh, personally, mostly. Uh, I call him dad uh, when I talk to him, but uh, wow. we met back in the, the early 90s, uh, back when he was running uh, Go Gym. Uh, nutrition and I, uh, I desperately needed help uh, with my nutrition and everything. And um, people were trying to find me somebody to, to work with me because I didn't have any money uh, at all whatsoever. Uh, so uh, a friend introduced me to Neil, and unfortunately, um, when I, I met Neil, um, you know, he just oh, actually no, he told uh, he told Neil about me. And uh, Neil just said, hey, I just don't have the time. Sounds like a great kid. And we, me and Neil end up meeting in a gym and just hitting it off like that. And he uh, oh, nice. asked me what was my name. And I told him, he goes, oh, you're the kid they told me about. Um, and it was just uh, from there. Um, he really, wow, he, uh, he really took a, you know, a, a wild horse and, and helped tame me. Um, you know, we had similarities from my um, hard times in the street. and. Uh, It sounds like a special relationship. Yeah, he was. Um, he was really there for me. Man, I'm happy to hear that. Um, there's, I, I, I feel like he's probably somebody that's been there for you early on and hasn't stopped being there for you. And yeah. I, I guess I'll take this moment to to go ahead and start shifting from, you know, the talk about bodybuilding in the past, to, well, not quite the past, because I want to talk about there's life changing. You know, we talked about walking now is a little bit different than walking then. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about some of that adversity and, and what happened, if you don't mind sharing, yeah, and then no, kind of no. how that shifted your perspective from bodybuilding into a different form of how wellness and fitness helps? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's just, something you would never uh, imagine happening, uh, you know, especially uh, for me, I have always been incredibly active at a, a very high level. Um, you know, first going through a kidney transplant that um, ended my career, um, you know, just you would just wouldn't dream of that. And, and then, you know, um, almost, uh, you know, 20 years later, uh, I started having a lot of pain in my right lower leg. Um, I started going to specialists. Meanwhile, I'm still working and, uh, and traveling the planet, literally. Um, and it was one time I was um, I was on my way to China, and I, I, I just uh, the pain in my leg was so severe. I, li I literally just broke down in, in, in the uh, airport, 
and uh, and I just hovered there and I sobbed up like wow you know I just thought it was like a bad cramp I couldn't figure out what it was so it's like every time I take like five or ten steps it would just the uh, pain would just uh, cause me to, to crumble um, anyway I got back home I kept going to these doctors and you know they it just wow just really really heartbreaking how little our doctors know these days but you know went to the er went to the best doctors best hospitals here in las vegas and um and you know for for years and i'm just still the pain is just getting worse um, and finally um, i became really good friends with my my private doctor and i was like you know man i'm just like you know this is bs you know this, it keeps saying I pulled a muscle or it's a cramp or what, you know, I, I noticed it's something worse. I've torn muscles before. This isn't, mm -hmm. this isn't a torn muscle, you know, he's like, well, flex, we, we've done everything except, um, you know, uh, uh, an ultrasound. I'm like, well, why don't we do an ultrasound? And, you know, and he goes, well, oh, okay. So we went in and did the ultrasound and a lady, you know, found this blood clot, you know, like within five minutes. And um, it just horrified her to the point where, um, she said, stop stopping. Mm. Man. Yeah, what she was looking at is she started, her eyes started tearing up and, you know, I, I turned around and I glanced at her and I just said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but um, please tell me what you see that causes you to, you know, to cry. And she just shook her head. Excuse me. Sorry. She just shook her head and said, I can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you that information. You know, let me just, let me finish my job and I'm going to have to call us in stat. I need you to stay here now. Wow. Wow. Sorry. Uh, um, so that was, that was for a, a blood clot? Is the, and that's what yeah, they found? Initially, that's what they thought. Um, the blood okay. clot. And I got home. My, my doctor uh, called me immediately and said, um, you know, where are you? And I like, I just got home. And he goes, Flex, I'm actually shocked you even made it home. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, it's that bad. I'm like, you know, what are you talking about? I pulled you flying to, you know, um, um, I was supposed to be flying out of the country um, to um, Australia uh, in 21 hours. And he's like, Flex, you know, you." don't get on that flight, you get on that flight, you're not going to get off the same. And I'm like, you don't understand, you know, it's 20 grand has been paid for my ticket alone. And I've been paid half my fee, they're going to they're going to do my ASS off if I don't show up. And he goes, you know, I, okay, I, I see your hard head, I'm just going to tell you, you get off, you get on that plane, you're not walking off. And I was like, you know, Doc, I don't, I don't know what you know to tell you, but I got to go to work to sell and feed my family. So I went upstairs and started packing. I literally actually passed out from pain. And I woke up um, like at 10 o'clock at night and um, called the doctor and he's like, you know, he's like, what's going on? And I said, hey man, my, my, my leg, my right leg is completely numb. You know, um, my, my right arm, numb. you know, my, my, um, my groin, everything is numb. And he was like, it's the ER. And I'm like, you know, why? I've been there three times. He goes, just get to the ER and tell me you have a DVT. And I was like, what's a DVT, man? You know, I'm just tired of this. And he goes, Fletch, you don't, have, you don't understand. You don't, you don't have time. You know, 
we need to get there. So in my ignorance and lack of knowledge, I'm like, geez, man, you know, I'm going to go to a mm -hmm. hospital. You know, I'm going to be sitting there for hours. So I stopped by like Burger King on the way. <laughs> you know, I might go get some food and, uh, you know, I'm not aware of the severity of everything. And I get there and um, you know, everything changes drastically. I couldn't even walk anymore. Um, security had to roll me in a wheelchair. And he goes, you know, I know who you are. Let me get you to the back. Uh, so, you know, everybody's not gawking at you. And um, they did my blood pressure, and it was, uh, it was two, um, 210 over 205. What? Yeah. And that just what? shifted the mood of the whole hospital. Um, you know, two people walked in my room, paid my blood pressure, walked back out, three people walked in, and it ended up like 20 people in there and staring at me, like, how do you feel? And I'm like, what do you mean how I feel? I'm like, I'm. I'm sitting here crying in pain. That's how I feel, you know. Um, but um, anyway, so um, they did a bunch of surgeries, uh, tried to save my leg. Um, I ended up going into kidney failure. Um, they uh, put me in a, a coma, induced me into a coma that was going to be for a few hours while they did the surgery, and the coma ended up turning into um, 10 days. Wow. Um, when they, when they induced that, I'm assuming that, that they were expecting not to have you under for that long. Was it just because no, they needed? No. no, it was just supposed to be just an eight hour surgery. Uh, they call it a blood clot buster, but, um, for some reason, um, they, um, I remember this from just my family members telling me that they were telling me that it was really difficult to, um, to put me under. And um, they're like, you know, we've we given enough tranquilizers to put down a horse and uh, he's still fighting us back there. So we're, we're waiting until wow. we can get him under. Um, so no, uh, that was not expected to be in a coma that long. Came out of the coma, um, had just multiple surgeries trying to save the leg. They thought they saved it. Um, <clears throat> I was still in the hospital recovering for a couple of months and uh, walking and, and uh, it was no pain. I was able to walk and I was able to propel myself. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, uh, I can walk again, you know, and it doesn't hurt. And um, a couple of days later, um, it just started kind of hurting a little bit. And, and that familiar pain started coming back. And I just said to myself, it's like, wow, I'm not, I'm not going to be walking too much longer. Wow. Wow. That was a, a premonition that you had in yeah. that moment. Yeah, I just, I, I did. And um, I even told some people, and I'm like, man, you can't give up like that. And I'm like, come on, you know me. I, I'm one person who don't give up on anything. I go, it's just, I can just feel it. But, you know, um, that was in early, early mid-year. I, um, I was at a business meeting, <clears throat> and it was a lot of walking. And um, when I got to the airport, I couldn't even walk through the airport just every couple of steps. I took, uh, I would uh, crumble to the ground and I was supposed to fly to Dubai two days later <clears throat> for another uh, event. And my business partner at the time was like, Flex, you know, how are you going to do this in Dubai? You can't even walk in the airport. And I'm like, man, I don't yeah. know. And, um, and just, again, just, uh, you know, realization is like, yeah, how are you going to do that? You know, and you're going to end up in a hospital in some foreign country. You know, and uh, right. the pain just got worse and 
when I boarded the plane, I was like, yeah, I remember the doctor telling me, don't get on that plane. And I was like, geez, you know, I'm about to get on a plane, you know. And uh, I just prayed, thank God, please, you know, if I, if I make it, you know, I'm, I'm going straight to the hospital. So I, I made it and went straight to the hospital. Um, they took me back immediately. Uh, did an ultrasound and found out that uh, the blood clot had gotten worse or whatever it was. Uh, it was blocked 90% on one side of my calf and 100% on the other side. You know, like, you know, we're there, we're there. Oh. I'm like, okay. And I go, are you sure we're there? She goes, yeah, we're there. And I'm like, okay, just take it. Uh, just take it, you know. Um, and he goes, are you sure? I'm like, why? I can't walk. And you know, um, it's so much pain, and if that type of blood clot, it could break off and literally kill me as I'm sitting here right, right now. Right, right. Yeah, so I might just just take it. So um, that was the beginning of a, a new beginning. Oh, my God. How long ago? How long? What what year was this? Uh, about, um, yeah, it's, it's October now, right around three years. Right around three years, yeah. Okay. Okay. That was a, was a tough time to be in the hospitals, too. Um yeah. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, I am here with Flex Wheeler. This is the NASM CPT podcast, and I appreciate, um, man, the vulnerability to share this. I know uh, it's hard to talk about some of these things, and and I know you've probably told the story before, so it also gets tiresome to to tell the story, I'm sure. And so I appreciate you just taking a moment to to share with us. I I, I think on the podcast it's been a little bit ago, but I had done some traveling last year. Uh, I'd come back from Thailand for uh, the AFC Asia Fitness Conference where I presented. And when I came back for days, my calf was hurting my calf. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe I pulled something. And then, of course, like I'm thinking to myself, I know what a, I know what a strained muscle feels like. And this is not what it feels like. I just don't want to be truthful with myself. And uh, so anyway, I go and talk to a friend of mine who's a DPT, a doctor of physical therapy, who's at the gym. And I was like, hey, Anna, let me just, can I run this by you? And she goes, Rick, why don't just go to the doctor? <laughs> I was like, I, I know. I and I did. I, and they did, um, they checked for DVT, which I thought was interesting. So I didn't expect this flex. And, and you may have, uh, I don't know how it was with you, but they spent, my pain was in the calf. They spent almost the entire time in the growing area. Like right. that's, and I was, I was surprised. I was like, yo, my pain is in the calf. Can you, you're going to look down there? And they're like, actually tendency is the blockages are much higher up, but you just yeah. feel it in the yeah. lower leg. Exactly. And I was exactly where mine was. Um, you know, I, from my kidney transplant I had in 2003, um, the donor, um, her, uh, main artery wasn't long enough so they they went into my main artery in my left quad and i uh, used that to begin uh, the surgery um for uh, oh interesting our artery so in doing so they then had to take a graph and graph from this quad to this quad uh, for blood supply and ironically uh, the day after the kidney transplant i i got a blood clot in my lower um uh, calf area uh, the same where they amputate it and um, what they're speculating now is obviously you can't lose um, a leg from a DVT. It just doesn't happen. It's not severe enough. Um, so they're speculating now that the 
graph that they put in that ends right here in my groin area yeah. um, started failing and over time started spitting out blood clots. Um, so oh. uh, up here, but the pain was down there. And even after mm -hmm. they amputated, um, they were in fear um, where they brought me to the hospital a few times and, and thought they're going to have to amputate um, up in a groin area because it had clotted again. Um, and, but they said, you know, because I had um, my leg had created such sufficient um, arterial arteries uh, that I was able to keep the leg from blood supply, but it was fully blocked off by uh, the Oh, my gosh. Artery. Yeah. Unbelievable. And as you mentioned, and I don't know how many people know this, the, the biggest concern for a DVT, I mean, obviously, like uh, the amputation, um, which is not common, the concern is that the DVT, the deep vein thrombosis, turns into a moving thrombus, a moving clot, which can go into the heart and then end up in the lungs, which is where it usually is. So then you get a pulmonary uh, thrombosis, you know, pulmonary embolism, something like that, where that leads to, can potentially lead to death. So the a super big concern there is generally not so much about what's going on at the legs. It's whether or not a blood clot breaks free and then right. ends up killing you. Uh, and right. and it sounds like, you know, them getting in there and at least doing that busting, even though it it led to the the lower extremity, then uh, but they were able to keep it. You know, they were able to keep you with us. So that's a pleasure. Yeah. Can you tell me whether or not your ampute amputation is uh, is it above or below the knee? No, I'm BK. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, below the knee. Okay. Yeah, below the that, knee. And and uh listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to share a sure. little bit more because I wanna know where you were like I, I know going into the hospital that day and you and you said take it. Like you you had kind of resolved, you'd dealt with so much yeah. pain, you'd passed out multiple times. The writing was on the wall and you read it before a lot of people did. And you were like, if they got to do it, they got to do it. So when they brought it up to you, you said, okay, just make yeah. it happen. Yeah. And but it then it happened. The, the, the few times um, that uh, there is, there is, there was probably 20 or 30 times between June and the time that I went in for amputation uh, that I was just rushed to the hospital for just sheer pain. Uh, so they're used to me uh, coming in there and, and one time, uh, the doctor uh, in an ER had seen me so many times. He was just really uh, candid and honest with me. And, uh, you know, he just he just looked at me. He walked in my room and he just stared at me. And um, he goes, you know, uh, this is harder to tell you uh, than it would be most people because we all know who you are. And, mm -hmm. you know, we know you achieved. But, but there's nothing else we can do. You know, you can come in for pain flex and we'll help you, you know, manage the pain and, you know, send you home when we got it managed, but there, there's nothing else until that time comes. And I, I just looked at him and I'm like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean until that time comes? He's like, you know, mm. until that time comes or we have to take it. So that kind of solidified like my, my thought that I had months ago. And it kind of, you know, also helped me prepare, like you said, the writing was on the wall. So, you know, I, I really 
uh, felt, you know, that in my heart that was going to happen and now having a doctor kind of, you know, uh, bring more clarity to it. Yeah. So when I went in and, uh, and they said the blockage that, you know, gotten worse of like, yeah, you know, then we're there. And that's even what she said, you know, she said, we're there, we're the, you know, she didn't say anything else on the doctor and I knew what that meant. And you knew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then it happened, right? It happened. Um, you wake up, uh, you see it, you, or you don't see it, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Wh where it. are you, where are you yeah. in your head in that moment when that conceptually became a reality when you woke up from that surgery? Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know why, um, it just, um, it, it just came clear that I had to, to like chronograph, like, you know, like video, you know, take videos of this all happening. So I did a lot of like private interviews just with myself in my room, you know, mm -hmm. before surgery. And, um, I remember on one video I, I posted, I just said, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how this is going to turn out, you know, um, but when I wake up and I, I see my leg gone, either I'm going to be okay 100% or I'm not going to be okay 100%. It's just going to be that one-tenth of a second to look down there um, that, you know, um, the world is going to be very dark for me or else I'm going to be okay. And, and when I woke up and, you know, I, I, I woke up and when I realized, you know, again, what all have happened coming out of days, I, I glanced down and, and it was gone and I was like, okay, you know, okay. You know, it's like, okay, I'm okay with it, you know? And, and at that moment, mm -hmm. I just, I just had something came across me. It's like, there's no way that I achieved such incredible things around the world, um, you know, in fighting um, and, and martial arts and, and other things. Um, and, and, and now I, I'm going to go hide when one of the worst conceivable things happen. So I just said to myself, I'm like, you know, I got to figure it out, but you know, I'm just going to be a, a poster child uh, for amputees. You know, I, I want to be a, a spokesperson. You know, I want to try to help other amputees around the world because now I'm one of them. So I've used my name for so many global reasons and businesses. Um, I want to take, a, you know, this, this lemon that's happened to me and make mm -hmm. lemonade out of it and try to serve it sweet. So that really helped me also <laughs> to get me a focus. Uh, I mean, what I wanted to do. I think, um, I think those that's a one of those things that helps you kind of heal and get over not as, as so much the physical, mm -hmm. but mentally where you are is if you can take what happened to you and turn around and try to help other people that that's yeah. happening to, and we, and we, you you can see this in. You can see it in AA where alcoholics turn around and they help other people that are alcoholic new, right? Let me be your sponsor. Let me help you out. We see that all sorts of recovery programs. We see it. Um, I, I know so many physical therapists that are physical therapists because mm -hmm. of the stuff that's happened to them. And so right. they've taken that turned around and said, let me take what happened to me turn around and help somebody else out. So uh, I see you and I raise a glass to you for that. Um, and I want to, you know, I, I appreciate that in you and knowing that, you know, 
one of the ways to, to help turn that lemon into lemonade is to also help other people in that process. Yeah, um, it, it is. And I think it's, uh, it's very uh, therapeutic, um, you know, for me, you know, um, again, I don't, I don't think I've been allowed um, that God allowed me to achieve such greatness uh, and, and have it be globally broadcasted around the world. And then I run and hide, you know, when, when a worse uh, thing, unthinkable thing happens. So uh, that's just what I'm trying to do now. It's just, you know, because I'm that guy, you know, I'm sure everybody listening that guy. looked at somebody and said, you know, looked at a person like, wow, I wonder what's that like? Or how did they lose their leg or their arm or their eye? You know, what's their story? But you don't want to stare, you know, you don't want to be rude, but you wonder. And you keep walking by and you keep wondering, you know, wonder what's that story? Yeah. So I'm that guy now. Um, so I try to break the ice, especially like with kids, when I see kids, awesome. you know, and they're staring at it, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? You know, you want to touch it? You know, and they're like, uh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I just try to use it as a as an icebreaker and, uh, you know, and, and again, just to try to bring just how difficult life is as, as an amputee, just unthinkable things you would never think about having to worry about, you know, um, you know, you know, you just some really private things you would never, you know, think about, you know, just having two legs um, and, and, yeah. and just the, uh, the, you know, I guess you could almost say uh, how it really bends your mind mentally, uh, especially for me. Uh, I was right leg dominant, you know, when I fought. Mm. I was right leg dominant and then, you know, in bodybuilding, you know, I was right leg dominant. So know to have achieved, to achieved so much on on two legs and and you know have a home that every picture i'm in there's two legs there's just so many mental warps of this game that happened you know um, teaching myself how to drive a car you know uh, with oh yeah like that wow. you know um, it's just a lot of just stuff you just don't think about how do you get dressed you know, um, you know, how do you go to the bathroom? You know, do you get up and go to the bathroom? You know, all that stuff. Uh, it's just so many different levels to, uh, you know, this onion of life. And I just want to try to make it easier for, for other amputees. That's amazing. Period. My friend, Billy Davis, uh, I met him uh, after he had lost his leg and, um, He's a, he's a triathlete. He's, he's very much part of a program. It's not coming to me right now, but it's a program where, where people help other people um, with physical uh, disabilities, right? So amputees, uh, you know, my, uh, I know somebody who runs with a blind athlete so that they can help, yeah. but I can't think of the program. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it'll come to me. But, you know, Billy, Billy's the same way. I, we walked over, he was sitting at a restaurant as I walked by with my son and I waved and my, my son, young, young at the time, of course, looks and yeah. he invites him over. Just like you said, just like you yeah. said, come over. Do you want to see it? Do you want to touch yeah. it? He was like, I don't. And then he was like, yes, I do. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but it's a, it's a blessing, but that's, that's a spooky thing for and, and not spooky. It's interesting. It is of interest. All of us, right? We all want to know the story. We all see it and we think what happened? Who is this person? What was the story behind it? Um, and for, for people to acknowledge, right? Like, I know you're curious. I know that, mm -hmm. that you want to ask a question, but for right now, just come over and say hi. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that meant a lot.
yeah. Yeah, I think we every year he does a does a hamburger uh, uh, anniversary because when he woke up from his surgery, the first thing he wanted was a hamburger. So every year on on Billy's uh, amputation day, we uh, we all have a hamburger in his honor. So that's uh, that's something that he started for a long time. And uh, so we still we still do that. I want to I want to follow up again now with you. Um, so going from here, um, I'm assuming, and I want to talk to you about it, so you can fill in the blanks here. That fitness and health and wellness, the concepts maybe have shifted a little bit um, as far as your perspective. Um, but can you tell me what that perspective is? Are you, you know, you're still yeah. still fit, still you know, fitness and healthy, and uh, gym is still part of your life. Is that is that yeah? What's happening? So you know what I what I understand now, and just you know, kind of put it like resistance training, you know, because it doesn't have to be in a gym uh, doing weight training, but just with resistance training or calisthenics, you know, is. They're the true fountain of youth. You know, you're not going to find it in a bottle or a drink or anything like that or in a needle. You know, it's a true fountain of youth. So, um, but yeah, my outlook on, you know, um, being healthy is so much more different now, um, you know, than it was when I was younger. Um, it was about um, a lot of times <clears throat> what we do as human beings, we, we think, you know, everything is visual. So if you look at something and, you, and visual looks great, we think it is, you know, um, for, you know, men, we look at a woman and think, oh, wow, because she visible, you know, visually looks appealing. Uh, she is or vice versa, you know, and that's may not always be the truth, you know, like, uh, like Prince said, you know, everything that glitter isn't gold. Um, but, but that was my outlook back then, right? physical you know because i was so physical and i, I looked physical and i looked apart um but I, I was so imperfected in so many ways um, not just physically you know just mentally uh, mental health my thought process and what i looked upon life and what i thought was really healthy so you know now understanding that i i've been here longer that i'm going to be here um it's so important to me to you know wow. kind of re-educate people um, that I've educated all these years on this look and this lifestyle uh, is actually healthy when it's actually not. Um, so living a healthier lifestyle, you know, just eating good and, and not, you know, being it's now in this world, everybody's so cerebral, you know, writing down, you know, their macros and minerals. I'm like, I mean, I'm sure Neil knew back in those days, but I, I, I you know, throughout my entire career and, probably over half of my career of doing diets. I didn't know what the hell a macro or a mineral was. I mean, but, <laughs> you know, people are writing it down and counting it and weighing. I'm like, wow, you're so cerebral. You're never going to get it done. You know, it's like in fighting, you know, you're too busy trying to get out before you get in, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, it's, it's just so important to me. So, you know, the, the training app that I have now and the uh, nutrition line that I released uh, just now, Flexible Nutrition, you know, my shameless plug. But, you know, the, the, the truth is, you know, it's a way of giving back uh, because the sport has given me everything. Absolutely every um, bill that I pay is through this sport. You know, every uh, contract that I still have is through this sport. 
uh, absolutely every every uh, revenue stream that I have is from this sport and, and included my own clothing company. It's, it's through, through the sport. Um, so it's also to show people like-minded like me that come from the other side of the railroad tracks, you know, that wasn't the smartest, you know, that came from the ghetto and welfare and stuff like that, that, you know, you can make it uh, as long as you dream and persevere and work hard. And lastly, it's just a promise that I made to somebody, you know, a long, long time ago. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, I, I told him I could never pay him back for everything he's done for me and that he's doing for me. And he goes, well, I demand you pay me back, Flex. And I was like, you know, how, you know, you've done so much. How, how could I ever pay you back? And he goes, you're, you're going to pay me back. And I, I demand that you pay me back. And I go, how? And he goes, you're going to pay me back by changing people's lives through health and fitness for the rest of your life. And that was Neil Spruce. Um, so that's the other yeah. thing that I, I'm paying for is trying to change people's lives through health and fitness. And real quickly, it's simple, right? It's not, it's not difficult. You know, look at this analogy. You know, if your car is dirty um, and you wash it, um, it seems like it drives better. It's not. It seems like my picture's crooked or I'm crooked. Uh, one of us like crooked. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you, you, your car is dirty, you get it washed, and it seems like it drives better. Just when you go in the gym and you train and you eat clean, you just feel better. You know, you look at a person who, who may not look so physically fit. You know, maybe she or he's a little bit overweight. And they go in the gym and they just having a ball and they work and they walk out and they just feel like, you know, they look like, you know, the best supermodel in the world and they're not. That's because they're training, you know, they're putting something in. It's this positive energy that just flows from you. The same thing when you're in a rut and you're not eating, you know, eating good, you're not training, you just sit there and you feel like a loaf, you know, and it, you, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's something that sustains in most and it continues that. So, you know, if you, if you just sit there, you just stay in a rut and you just like days go by. But, you know, when you're trained, it's like, man, I got to get up. I got to do it. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't wait to go. And you, you go to sleep feeling that way. You know, I can't wait to eat my food because you see results and you feel a certain way. Um, and that doesn't actually uh, happen overnight, but you feel it overnight. And as you feel that way, you start to make progress and you see that progress. And it's like, there's no stopping now, you know. Yeah, I tell people all the time that, you know, exercise doesn't immediately change you physically, but it can almost immediately change you mentally. Yeah. And so that, you know, we like to, we like to parse everything out and separate it. This is good for the brain. This is good for the heart. This is good for the, but I mean, we're, we're all one physical entity and our mental is connected with that. And if we treat our physical entity well, our mental well-being um, starts to to sharpen, and and we do tend to feel better as a general rule. Now, it's not the same for everybody, but as a general rule, that's definitely the case. And you know, research is is leaning that way, and it's showing that way. And you know, uh, even a lot of mental health professionals are leaning more, more and more towards prescribing physical activity for people just to get them in a better mental state. So 
Um, you know, we don't need to peel everything apart all the time. Sometimes we can just say, hey, this is this is good for all of you, right? Yeah. Like every component of you and physical activity. And like you said, does it have to be the gym? Doesn't have no. to be, but physical activity is is a solve. It is a uh, ointment. It is it is you know motion is lotion. It is medicine, and that can help so many things. Yeah, it could be playing swimming pool basketball in in the backyard with yeah. your kid. Um, That's it could right. be playing basketball and, and and you know your kids in the front. It can just be getting out walking your dog. You know, sometimes you just have to dumb it down. Um, and I think, you know, again, we're in such a crazy world where, you know, everybody thinks they got to do like these bodybuilding, you know, moves. I, I, I embarrassingly, and I say embarrassingly because I shouldn't be laughing, right? And I don't laugh out loud or anything, but, you know, you just go to the gym, you got everybody and their grandmother doing deadlifts and stuff like that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, really? You know, I mean, you know, just no form, no, no proper, like, not like no core, you know, just, just because it's been visibly done so many things, you know, so many times and everybody's doing squats now, you know, and no form or anything like that. And it's like, wow, you know, um, but just, just back to the basics sometimes is so simple. Um, I think we're so cerebral. Sometimes we need to really. Uh, just dumb it down, you know, I mean, you know, I remember Neil telling me one time losing um, weight is so easy. I'm like, how is that? He goes, flex, as long as you, you know, say it, if you ate, uh, make it simple, you know, if you ate 100 calories and you burned off 101 calories, you lost weight. Because it doesn't matter what food you ate. doesn't matter what time. doesn't matter how many times. He goes, that's how simple it is. He goes, now from there, we make it difficult. But you burn a thousand calories, burn a thousand one, you lost weight. You know, and you go from there. So. Yeah. Uh, Flex, I want to I wanna just say, as we start to, to wrap up here, um, that it, first of all, it's been an honor to have you on here and to chat with you. But really, the, the honor is more just to be here and listen to you share your story. Um, but this is a personal training podcast, so there are a lot of trainers and a lot of coaches, a lot of fitness professionals out there. And, um, you know, you, you're still in, in our eyes, a, a trainer and a coach. And, yeah. you know, you share your story with people, whether they're clients or whether that's at a booth, at a conference, up on stage. Um, share just kind of final thoughts for us as fitness professionals something that maybe you think that that we need to to know or walk away with you know i i think um especially now um what we need to be aware of is the power to change someone's lives um, mm -hmm. we have the power to make a person feel better um, we have the power to make a person feel worse we have the power to make a person actually feel like living here and staying um, and we need to understand uh, that power that we have um, and, 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 and respect that power. Uh, a lot of, um, unfortunately, uh, trainers get into this business because they, they want to make money and they think it's about making money. And I just got to tell you, if that's the reason you're getting into this, um, I would advise you to probably find something else because 
this is a, probably one of the most truest sports that you can be involved in. And people are gonna find that out if you're just about money. Um, majority of us who are successful in this, we really wanna change people's lives through health and fitness. Um, here, you, here. Know, you know, having a client and, and having um, their, their body composition change so tremendously that you know, their doctor tell them that they don't have to take heart medication anymore or blood pressure medication. That, that's changing somebody's lives. That, that brings a smile on my face. You know, um, having a, you know, a patient go to the doctor and them coming back and them saying, okay, I can start eating a normal diet. I'm not a diabetic anymore. That's what I mean, um, giving back and that, that ripple effect. So, you know, make sure you're into it for the right reasons, um, you know, and uh, be true and honor, you know, to, uh, to this, this love, the sport that we have. Um, and what better, what better gift or love that you can receive by just looking at somebody and having them, you know, look at you and say, hey, man, you helped me, you know, you helped me get in shape. Or, you know, you help, literally, you helped save my life by helping me get back in shape. I mean, if that don't bring a smile to your face, then <laughs> you might want to invest in maybe in a good um, psychiatrist. Yeah, <laughs> here, here. Hey, Flex, where uh, where can people find you? I know that you mentioned uh, your website previously and, and uh, you know, clothing line, nutrition. Just go ahead and plug some things as we start to wrap sure. up so people can yeah, find sure. you. Yeah, sure. Just to simplify it, you can uh, find me at Official Flex Wheeler. Um, I run all of my businesses and organizations and nonprofits and all that stuff through there. So anything I've got going on, you guys can find out from there. But, man, I just... Uh, Want to say thank you so much i know there was a, a multiple different complications of trying to get this going from last year at the uh, before the owner classic um but you know it's just been an honor um i appreciate what you guys stand for um i know dad and the way he runs and gets down um you know he runs a type ship and uh i'm honored and proud of everybody who comes from uh, beneath his wings because that's another person who's being sent out to help change people's lives through health and fitness. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I hear some tap dancing over there. Is that a... Yeah, it's my, uh, it's my, my red nose, my, uh, my uh, service dog here. He keeps walking around. He wants some attention. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we're going to let you give him some attention. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my guest, Flex Wheeler, what an absolute delight to have him on the show. And uh, y'all... Listen, you keep doing what you're doing. Uh, keep inspiring people to fitness. If you do not mind, like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family about this podcast. And if you leave a review, then head on to the platform, leave a review. It's always very helpful for us. You want to reach out to me, you can hit me up at dr.rickritchie on Instagram and threads, or you can email me, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thanks for being here. Keep inspiring people to fitness. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.